And I'll start this morning as I started with the story. I hope it was one you recognized. It sounded like it was, so thank you for that. But I shaped it a little bit for the times of separation and community renewal, fear and hope, distrust and vision for a more loving world. And in stories, at least a quick and simple resolution of conflict and change are possible. Real life is more complicated. This last year and a half has shown us that many things we thought we knew to be one way were maybe not so clear. Truth, health, movement, voting, walking into a store. Our way of being in the world has shifted as much as the last taste of stone soup changed from the first taste. I think that's why, as I was rereading Adrienne Marie Brown's book, Emergent Strategy, that this time one phrase, it's not even a full sentence, one phrase caught my eye and then stayed with me because I wanted to know what it meant. I think it's even in the introduction to the book. And as she's writing about shifting values of economic systems, one phrase from gold to collard greens. What did that mean? What did that mean? She didn't, she didn't really outline that. It's a great book, I loved it, but that phrase was just there. And so I went down a few rabbit holes and I would invite you to come with me on those rabbit holes, but down in the Warren. Because first I had to think about what gold was. Gold, gold is gold, an element found in streams underground. It turns out maybe it wasn't here on the planet at first. It was a cataclysmic event. Supernova spread gold. And then, you know, things shifted around and it went deep underground and it went into the streams and possibly, possibly down to the molten core. We're not, nobody's quite sure. There's a theory about that. I love that there's a theory about that. I also found out it's on every continent. Gold is everywhere. It's becoming more difficult to obtain. There's only a certain amount of it, and it's hard to find. Although apparently the ocean is full of gold, in case you were looking for something to do this summer. <laughs> full of gold, but it's really difficult to extract it, so it's not very cost-effective, and there's that, that balance of things. It's been part of humans' choice of decoration for millennia. Some things like 6,000 years of gold being an adornment and a symbol of wealth or status. It's malleable, it can be stretched thin, 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 beaten into sheets, coated on your ears, dusted on a brownie, I don't know. The pursuit of gold, the acquisition of gold, has also led to death, wars, destruction, forced relocation of indigenous peoples, separation of families. 
and a lot of destruction of this planet. It has been assigned worth by human beings. It could have been something else, flint, which is way easier to find, but then that may be part of the allure of it, it's rare. Often the acquisition of gold will benefit an individual rather than a community. I did a deeper dive. How much is gold worth if we're assigning? In 1999, an ounce of gold reached a high at one point in the year of $326 an ounce. In 2020, it reached a high of $2,000 an ounce. Put that on your brownie. But what of collard greens? I estimated about how many collard greens you'd get for $2,000. <laughs> this many. It would feed all of us, all of the neighbors, everybody in Frederick. It's about, based on what I found in the grocery store, it would be about a thousand pounds of collard greens. That's a lot of collard greens. Where did collard greens come from? If I say the word collard greens, what do you think of first? South? Ham hocks. Collard greens are actually a European <laughs> vegetable, Eurasian. They grow better in that colder climate. But we've really come to associate collard greens with the deep south and African-American culture, the enslaved culture of that particular area. And collard greens are not found all over the world, or at least they weren't at first. They migrated. They traveled with people. So from their first origins in central, maybe in the European, Eurasian area, traveled with people as they settled in different places, traded with each other. It became part of cultures, foodstuffs in a way that maybe gold didn't, it became, that gold was still a little separate. But collard greens became part of national dishes that we still know today. African-American chef Michael Twitty on his blog, Afroculinaria, look it up, it's great, Afroculinaria, talked about collards, again, Unlike Northern Europeans, West and Central African nation, Africa, had a climate that supported a continuous variety of edible greens from both cultivated and wild plants. So that was part of the African diet. It may not have been collard greens, but it was certainly something that they ate regularly. So in that move, whether it was migration or forced migration, that idea of using greens as food was part of the African culture. And it was adapted to what was growing in this other place. And I loved that um, 
Michael Twitty described collard greens as growing in the, both the high and the low gardens. Everybody was growing collard greens. There was maybe more meat in the collard greens at the high table than the low table, but they were eaten. Unlike gold, collard greens, again, traveled with people, became part of their gardens, a part of their culinary experience, their culinary identity. And each time it stopped somewhere, it picked up another flavor profile. So it became this mix from all over the world. I like this particular phrase Twitty again says in his blog, we don't mind cultural diffusion. That's a natural and important consequence of being human and living in community with other humans. You don't have to be Jewish to eat Levi's rye. You don't have to be colored, as he says, to love collards, but this is the key. Being culturally aware needs to be a value in our society for all of us. Michael Twitty spent a lot of time finding out who he was down at his DNA level and following the food that went with those cultures to know who he was and his connection to those things. So with that little bit of history of gold and of collard greens, let's go back to Adrienne Marie Brown's phrase, from gold to collard greens. She was writing of an economic shift, but also a cultural shift, a shift from material wealth to relational wealth. Where could we place our values? Shifting from get as much as I can for me and mine to let's have some for all. What resonated with me in this short phrase had to do with relationship and nourishment. Systems built on collard greens imply to me working together. Washing those greens twice or more, enough for all, thousands of pounds worth, nourishing and sustenance maybe even locally produced or centered, a living connection with the earth, a sustainable, renewable resource, community strength, stone soup, as well as individual strength, a bit of both. Relationship, power with rather than power over, listening to more voices, especially ones that have been left out or silenced. Much of the work of our Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations over this last year and more has focused on those particular justice issues implied by Brown's shift of values. We have been invited over and over through the report from the Commission on Institutional Change, the outreach and work of You, you the Vote, the Eighth Principle Project and the Article Two Commission that is still ongoing right now, and the business agenda items at this year's General Assembly, the business agenda items at this year's General Assembly, to radically embrace the promise of our faith. 
not just the current practice, but the promise of it. This kind of invitation toward change can create anxiety in each one of us, as well as in the system, because the system is made up of each one of us. Will there still be a place for me? Will I recognize anything? What about, what about adopting mindfulness practices as Reverend Carl has led us through this year and more is a way to strengthen our individual ability, but also our collective ability, our community's ability to embrace a Unitarian Universalism that widens the circle of who we are, that values relationship and covenant, that promise to each other of how we will be together and to our community partners, those people with whom we do this work, this work of shifting values shifting systems. We have learned new ways to work and be together. As I close, I want to share a quote again from Michael Twitty. Describes himself as a chef who is Jewish and black and gay deeply exploring his own identity and therefore culinary identity in a way that I think speaks to Adrian Marie Brown's shift from gold to collard greens. Jewish food and black food crisscross each other throughout history. They are both cuisines where homeland and exile interplay. Ideas and emotions are ingredients. Satire, irony, longing, resistance. And you have to eat the food to extract that meaning. The food of both diasporas depends on memory. One memory is the sweep of the people's journey, and the other is the little bits and pieces of individual lives shaped by ancient paths and patterns. The food is an archive, a keeper of secrets. We are a people of memory. We know who we have been, and we know that there are memories that have been left out. But we are also people of vision, who can seek to rectify those mistakes. Perhaps over a nourishing feast, we can create the opportunities needed for this shift from gold to collard greens, from mine to ours, from us versus them to all of us in it together. In the words of the Poor People's Campaign, forward together, not one step 